you ever thought about how valuable it would be to get career advice from a top executive? Have you ever wondered what management really thinks about diversity? Join us as our C-suite guest shares with our Latino community their unique insights on professional development and diverse leadership. Welcome to C-Suite, the show that combines surprising leadership insights with a focus on diversity. I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor and Executive Vice President of Marketing for Alpha, New Jersey. Today, we have an innovative guest, Ruth Alvarez de Golia, founder and executive director of Mercado Global. Ruth is a pioneer in the field of ethical fashion, founding and overseeing Mercado Global's growth from a small nonprofit working with a dozen indigenous women artisans in Guatemala's highlands to her recognition as an innovator in social enterprise, partnering with hundreds of artisans. Her model connects indigenous communities in rural Latin America that have been impacted by systemic racism and misogyny to sustainable income opportunities with international retailers, including Nordstrom, Stitch Fix, Levi's, Bloomingdale's, and ShopBop. Ruth was named among the world's best emerging social entrepreneurs by Echoing Green and appeared on the cover of Newsweek as one of the 15 people who make America great. She has been a speaker at the United Nations, the Clinton Global Initiative, the Global Summit for Women, and the U.S. Department of Labor. Welcome, Ruth. In this exact moment, how are you feeling and why are you feeling it? Thank you, Joe. I'm so honored to be included on, on your program. Um, and I would say right now I'm feeling a couple different things. One of the, one of those things is I'm feeling excited. Um, we, I run a nonprofit, Mercado Global Nonprofit Social Enterprise, and we serve indigenous women in rural Latin America, as you mentioned. And during the pandemic, we were able to really pivot, help our communities get through the pandemic and not just help everyone survive, but help everyone thrive. And we planted so many seeds, so many opportunities during the pandemic. And it's exciting because right now we're getting to take advantage of some of those relationships and opportunities we've built. Um, so with it being spring and with uh, everything that's going on, it's exciting to be um, seeing all these new client and sales partnerships come to fruition, new donor partnerships come to fruition and other initiatives. But I would say at the same time, I feel a little tired, too, because I think like everybody else that uh, anyone who has run any kind of enterprise over the last two years, uh, I think it would be hard to not be tired after um, helping your whole team, helping the whole organization, you know, steer that steer your ship through the pandemic and everything that came with it. And I think part of how we thrived during the pandemic was that we were very innovative. We really pivoted hard and fast early on. Um, and now kind of what we're doing is almost undoing some of that pivot, getting some of our infrastructure back in place, some of the way we used to do things. And, and so having worked so hard for two years and it's great to be able to slow down, get things back in place, but that's the type of work too, right? So I'm, I'm, I think one thing I'm thinking of today is with it being spring, uh, I'm excited to spend more time outdoors, take more walks uh, and, you know, give myself the space to take advantage of all the opportunities, but also 
um, recognize that I think it's been hard for everyone to get through the last couple of years and we've got to take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, mental, physical, spiritual well-being, that is so key. And, and fortunately in society, you know, in, in corporate as well as in sports, that's becoming more of a, of a highlight. People are speaking out more yeah. about it and saying, look, you know, I, yeah. I need to be healthy. So like for someone like you who leads an organization, you need to be healthy so you can continue to do yeah. the work that you do. It serves no one if you, if you burn out. That's um, right. And I love that you sort of use the words like survive versus thrive, right? Like, yeah. you know, obviously survival is first, right? Because, you know, you got to be alive, but really what you want to get to and, and what you want to help people get to is thriving, not just barely making right. it, but just being engaged and, and being the best they can be. That's right. That's right. And I think, you know, as, as I think about the work culture that we strive to build within our organization and how we want to operate, I think it's a really important distinction. It's, you know, not just kind of checking the box. Okay. We completed XYZ benchmarks, but were we able to do that with ease? Did we feel good about it? Um, Because I think that's key in terms of building a really successful team that could really go to the next level. If we love our jobs, if we're excited about coming to work every day and excited about what we're doing, then we're able to accomplish so much more. So that's something um, I spent, you know, so much time thinking about how to help everyone with that during the pandemic. And now with the new, hopefully post-pandemic era or whatever we're going to call this next, next era, (laughs) Um, you know, thinking about how to do that successfully for the team and for myself too. Um, so you have to, to always be nimble and thinking ahead with this stuff. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, let's go back in time just for a quick moment. I'm really curious. What is one fond memory you have of childhood? It could be a song, a food, uh, an activity, a place, um, that really kind of brings you back, uh, to, to, to your younger days. Well, I think, um, I, I, I have many wonderful memories of growing up in Chicago mm. as a little kid. Um, I was very fortunate to live in a, in a building in Chicago's Southwest side where my grandparents lived downstairs for me and my cousins lived in another apartment in the building. Wow. Um, and I wow. just, I have these wonderful memories of being, uh, you know, a little kid in the city of Chicago and, um, my grandparents were real role models for me. They were very politically involved and were my heroes and my inspiration and to have the chance to get to be involved in the community with them. And, um, you know, what, what a privilege to, to get to grow up with your family, your extended family that close to you. So I think that that's something I think about when I think of my childhood. So I'm, I'm picturing you, you know, the, the younger Ruth, um, in a wonderful, you know, vibrant city like Chicago with, with your family surrounding you and, and lots of conversation and, and ener- good energy there. Um, when did you know that you were meant to be more? I think for me as a, as a young child, I was very lucky that I had such amazing role models in my family. My mom's side of the family is very politically active. Um, my grandparents were leaders in the labor movement. And I have many memories of going to um, different political events with them. I remember when, um, I remember hearing stories about when Dr. King came to Chicago 
for a march and um, that my grandfather had helped organize the labor, the labor movement in the city to be there in solidarity as part of the march. And, you know, all these wonderful stories about things that my grandparents and my family had done to help try to make Chicago better as a city and, and to help try to make the country and the world better. And I think as I got older and I became more politically involved myself, I realized that this was work that was very important to me. And I think I also realized that I um, was in a position in many ways of privilege in that I was able to move through a lot of different worlds. So uh, I was able to spend a lot of time working eventually in Central America. I went to, um, when I was younger, we ended up actually moving to Cleveland and I um, went to a very diverse high school. And I, I, I think many Americans, unfortunately, sometimes grow up in a, in a bubble because that's all, that, that feels safer maybe. But I think that if you are privileged enough to be able to grow up moving between different communities um, and having family and friends that are very close to you that have different socioeconomic status, different backgrounds, it can be very powerful in many ways because you can see both the good in the world and, and also the things that need to be improved. And so I think as, as a kid, as I started to get more involved politically, and then in, in high school and college, when I went to Central America and ended up meeting these amazing indigenous women that the organization I run serves, I realized that I was in this unique position to be in partnership and support a population that was such an inspiration to me, but lacked the opportunities, the resources, the markets that so many other people have access to that can be very transformational. And, and being able to be that connector, um, I realized was a type of power and would allow me to help others in a way that very few people are privileged to have the opportunity to, support, to help someone, another population. Yeah, what you're saying with resonates with me so much. And in particular, um, you know, you, you made me think that in terms of diversity, right, like often we use that word a little bit um, clumsily, right? It's, it's very broad and vague. But what I got from what you were sharing about your, your upbringing um, was it's not enough just to have different types of people around you. That's that's not diversity. The the power that I heard that came from 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 your upbringing was that you were engaged in all those different communities. You you had connections with people who either through your family or community were not maybe necessarily exactly cut from the same mold as you and your family. Yeah. And that's where the power comes from. Not just having different stuff, right? Like like right. you can just have a bunch of you can hire a bunch of people who look different or, or come from different right. countries but if they're not engaged if they're not experiencing things together you really just have a mixed bag of people you don't you don't have a team you don't get yeah. the benefit of the diversity that's right and also there's different levels of relationships and interactions so you know you could have a colleague or you could have a neighbor who might look different from you but if you haven't built a, a real relationship with that person and partnered with them and mm -hmm. had heart-to-heart -heart discussions and worked together on projects or initiatives you know then I think you've missed the opportunity to really be part of something special and 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 be part of a broader and more truly diverse community and I think I think that's where I feel so pri so privileged that I've had that opportunity um 
And um, for me, that's been such a richness in my in my own life um, to, to be able to find those opportunities in that way. So Ruth, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and knowing the, the little that I know from your background, just from reading up you know, uh, and, and preparing for this. And also um, Jackie, one of my KPMG colleagues who, who referred um, you to us. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say your ascent to where you are today running this, you know, uh, relatively complicated organization was not a straight shot, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you've had challenges and difficulties along the way. And I think we can yeah. all expect when we're trying to do something great, that that's going to happen. Um, so I would love for you to share with our audience, um, what was like a moment that, that you really had a struggle or a challenge where maybe something didn't go the way you expected it to go? And, and what helped you kind of get through that and, and continue to move forward towards your goal? Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll share two examples. Um, one is more personal and another is more around business strategy. Okay. And I think both are really important because I think as you think about how to be a really effective leader and build really effective high impact organizations and companies that you need to keep really work and maybe not, I don't know if master is the right word, but try to master the personal in addition to the business strategy. So at the personal level, um, for me, when I was in college, you know, so again, I came from a family of labor leaders. And to be totally honest, I was not, I was raised to not think of businesses, business as necessarily a good thing. I'll just mm. phrase it that way. And for me, it was this transformational experience to realize that these communities I was working with in rural Latin America, these amazing indigenous women who had, um, the, you know, they hadn't had a chance at education, their families were starving, they experienced such, such immense racism and sexism, so many barriers. And yet they were fighters, they were fighting so hard for their families for a better future to realize that what would be most transformational for them was access to market. Mm -hmm. And to realize that what was needed was to build a new type of business that would connect them, that would help them access globalization as a tool to make help them build the lives they wanted for themselves and their communities. And so I went through this whole transformational process to realize that that was what was needed. And that was what I, would, I felt called to do in many ways was to help build a tool that would be of service to this population. And then at the same time, I think part of that was as, you know, when I was younger, I kind of just assumed, you know, I was, I was very much in the rat race. So, you know, I went to public school and I got into Yale and, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go for one of the big, you know, uh, fellowships for graduating seniors at universities in England and things like that. And, uh, and, you know, maybe straight to law school and to realize, you know, at the time, this was before social entrepreneurship was as uh, talked about and prestigious as it is maybe today, to realize that actually the most important thing to me when I was in college, the most important thing was just to set up a table on campus and sell the artists and products of these women I had met because that is what they asked me to do every single time I went into their community. And at Yale, it was not prestigious to be selling things on campus. And I did it. We, we sold $5,000 in product and it sent 26 little girls to elementary school for a year. And that was the most important thing I had done. And, um, and to realize that how important it is to take the time and space to separate out what others, you know, tell you is important and the desire to, to, um, 
to be the best and almost to perform for others versus learning that ability to, to be true to yourself and to listen to what is really important to you. And I think what was so ironic for me was that when I was able to do that and was able to listen to myself and realize this is what is the most important thing for me to do my senior year, I'm not applying for grad school. I'm not applying for fellowships. I'm only applying for startup funds to start this organization. And then it ended up being such a wonderful thing for me. And it brought so many opportunities. And so I think at a personal level that, um, that, that was a huge learning for me that was incredibly powerful. And then I think from a business strategy perspective, I think of both the, the great recession and then the pandemic of, you know, it felt like the world was ending when both things happened in terms of how it turned um, our business upside down. And, you know, in both cases, our entire client base kind of disappeared overnight, um, or let's just say orders stopped. Um, and in both cases, what we were able to end up actually thriving, and it was actually ended up being almost a gift in many ways in terms of we were able to, to build an even stronger organization and really get through and grow revenue. But the key to that was to, to recognize that as a leader, I think one of your most important roles is to, to recognize that, you know, you might be the face of the organization, but to know that really you just are one member of a, of a team of people that helps the organization succeed. And so the ability to reach out to your advisors, to your staff, and empower everyone to help you figure out, okay, what's the opportunity in the crisis? What do we need to do? How are we going to redesign what we do to, to pursue the opportunity in the crisis? And then how do we mobilize ourselves as a team to go after that hard once we've decided what the pivot needs to be? I think that's one of the most important roles of, of a leader and doing that successfully in both of those circumstances um, I think has been such a strength to the organization and something I'm very proud of to have been part of. Yeah, I, I love that. What's what's coming through very strongly for me from both of those examples, the personal and the business, is a lot of it deals with your perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like like you could have had a different perspective in both of those cases, which would not have contributed um, to the um, it's not just about success, but about like the fulfillment and, and passion that you've had, which has been combined with, you know, success and opportunities um, along yeah. the way. Um, one thing I'm really curious about, right? Like you mentioned how, you know, you were engaged in this, you know, before the whole social, social entrepreneurism, you know, became more in vogue. And, and as I was, you know, prepping to meet with you, I had a burning question, you know, it's not one of our standard questions, but I said, I got to ask Ruth this, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, I know you, you went down to Guatemala, you were on a trip, you know, you were serving, you were, you were meeting, you know, with, with people, not for what you eventually ended up doing, right? But you were kind of exposed to this community and, and your, your eyes were open, right? What was it that allowed you to kind of see what needed to happen, the opportunity? What was it about Ruth that really connected you to this? Because I can see someone else. Yeah. Just as um, charitable as you, with a similar upbringing, going down there, serving their time, contributing, and then just going back and not having a second thought about like, <laughs> hey, there's something else here. I, I see something. There's something that needs to be done. And I'm not talking just about like the passion to do it, because I believe a lot of people have the passion. But like, yeah. what was it about you that you kind of like were able to see this when, when it wasn't an obvious thing for people to see at the time? Well, I think... I, I think maybe a couple things. 
first, I think one strength that I've had, and I'm not perfect at this, but I think one thing that I've always considered to be my a superpower in many ways, um, especially in the earliest days of starting the organization, was um, that due to due to some experiences that I, that I had when I was younger, I had developed this ability to empathize, you know, and maybe this gets back to the different levels of relationships you could have with people that are different from you, but building the ability to have true empathy, I think is incredibly important. So for me, when I think back to the first communities of indigenous women that I was working with when I was an undergraduate at Yale um, and living alongside them, you know, eating at their homes, staying at their homes, you know, really feeling kind of in community with them. For me, it didn't feel like I was um, helping people that, you know, these are other people that I'm helping. Mm. What I remember feeling was like, as I met with these women and they were telling me about their dreams that they had never had the chance to go to school and their greatest desire was for their daughters to get to go to school. I just kept thinking, oh my God, that could have been my sister. Mm-hmm. That could have been me. I am so lucky. You know, Guatemala is closer to New York than LA is to New York. It just felt like this is my community. This, you know, it didn't feel like I'm helping someone else. I guess I would say it's like this is another little girl. This is another mom. Um, and so I think that that was a powerful thing for me. Also feeling a sense of responsibility. I mean, I, I remember before I started Mercado Global when I was trying to figure out other ways to help some of these communities. You know, we tried to help them build a local market, but there's only so many tourists and there's half the population is indigenous, makes these crafts. So it was very hard to build a local market. We also tried bringing in foreigners that were in the region um, uh, for for tourism purposes to visit communities and, and try to get them out of the goodness of their hearts to fund scholarships for kids. And I remember when we would bring these foreigners into some of the communities, the women felt that they had to share these very personal, pretty horrific stories about what happened to them during the Civil War. Um, and the US, you know, and it was all stories and, you know, where the US had given weapons and had been, you know, maybe not directly fighting, but had been involved um, in, in some of the atrocities that had happened in these communities. And I remember feeling, gosh, these women, these are my heroes. Like they're fighting, they're fighting for their families. And it's traumatic to like, they hadn't told those stories to anyone. And they were only telling them because we had shared that, like, if you tell them a little bit about what's happened to your community, people might be feel moved to fund a scholarship. And I just remember as I'm sitting there and every, these women start crying, I start crying as they're telling these stories. And I just kept thinking, oh, there has to be a better way. Like, these yeah. women are so strong. Yeah. And like, for me, that is the moment. That is the moment when I knew I was going to start this organization because they all they wanted was a market. All they wanted was a chance to earn their own income. And that was also the most empowering thing. And that was the respectful thing. And that was the sustainable solution. So I think, I think feeling that connection and that, um, that, that was really key to, to me doing, to doing it. Yeah. I, I, I love that, that, that you didn't see them as, as, as almost an other, 
that you're helping. Right. You know, you saw them as 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 part of humanity, as part of a shared humanity, and were able to connect with them. And, yeah. and I I feel like that allowed you to see things that you don't see if you're just like, hey, you're the Guatemalan indigenous right. people. I'm the person at Yale from Chicago or Cleveland or wherever you're yeah. from. Like like it, it almost like you you put up its perspective again. Like you've created this quite unintentionally a barrier where you can't yeah. really see clearly perhaps you know what needs to be done so i think there's a very powerful lesson so thank you so much for sharing that Ruth. thanks joe um so also curious um because you have been so innovative and have been you know recognized and kudos for all the recognition i'm so happy um for that that you've received for your good work um you know what is kind of the insight that has helped you most in your career, innovation-wise or otherwise, because you know you don't sort of build what you've built without you know some great lessons along the way. So curious if you could share with our audience maybe just one insight that has really kind of helped you power your career. I think one thing that's been really important is to build a a, a community of people that can support my success as a leader, and. So that means at a basic level, build a team of mentors. Um, you know, whenever I'm trying to learn something new or figure something out, I know who are the experts in every area where I operate that I can give a call to that will help me figure it out or give me advice that, you know, and I rarely just do exactly what everyone advises, but it helps sure. me get to the, to the end solution, right? And building that team, you know, a big part of that is, um, thinking them and building those relationships, doing handwritten thank you notes. Um, people love to help others and, and, and knowing what can I do to make sure that that is a two-way re relationship that's really, really strong. I think that's really important. Also building a team of peers that can help. So I, I try to cultivate relationships with other executive directors and other CEOs um, in the space um, that, uh, that I could go to as I'm, I'm trying to figure things out or get, you know, market pulse information in, in a, in a place where things are changing. I think that's been, been really important. Um, and then I would also say to be open to new ideas and new ways of doing things that it's easy to kind of get in a rut and think, well, this is how we do this. Um, but I think always remembering that, part of the job of the CEO is to be the chief visionary and think, thinking about what's the next big thing, what's the next way we can could be operating or could be doing what we're going to do. And it's this tricky balance between, you know, you need to really sell and be consistent on message for how we currently are doing things for your, for your team, but at the same time being open to starting to explore and thinking about new ways of doing things. I think that's that's key to, again, not just survive, but thrive as a leader and as an organization. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And on the last point um, about being open, it's it's just so interesting in life where there's it's very easy to shut the door on someone or an opportunity or a conversation, right? It's very easy to say, I'm busy, push it off, right? And, and the funny thing is uh, a lot of times, and I've experienced this, maybe you have as well, um, you don't expect anything from a particular conversation and you just say, hey, let's just have this conversation, right? And, and you get yeah. into it 
And then it's like your mind is blown. You're like, oh my gosh, exactly what I've been looking for is here in this conversation or is one step away. Now I'm one step closer because I've had this conversation. I didn't game it. I didn't, I didn't reach out to this person. I was just open like, like to having that conversation. I mean, have you experienced that where some, sometimes this help can come from like random places? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also a really important part of it is um, to not think that the solutions will just come from your leadership team or your mentors or your board. But, you know, some of the most important and most innovative things that we've done came from artisans that we work with who had never gone to school. You know, sometimes it will come from a customer. Sometimes, you know, it could come from an intern. We've had interns provide brilliant ideas and because they came in with fresh eyes and could see things that the existing team couldn't see. And I, I think building a listening culture and being open to that is so key to being able to be successful and to be able to, to go after those opportunities that other people haven't seen yet. I love that building a listening culture. I really like that. Um, So let's widen the circle a bit and proceed to the shout out Um, who is a leader. And I imagine you have many you can pick from because of the field you're in, but uh, who is a leader and you can, you can, you can use more that you can uh, mention more than one um, who is passionate about diversity that, that you would like more people to know about. There, there are so many amazing leaders. Um, and, and I do think it's really easy to have kind of as a society, a smaller number that regularly get recognized. And I think um, what a strength we have as a society that there are so many amazing leaders within our society. One leader that I'd love to see get more recognition and for more people to know about is a woman named Monica Ramirez, who's executive director and founder of an organization called Justice for Migrant Women. And she's so amazing in so many ways, just her personal background and her personal history, and that she's built this organization that advocates for migrant women within the United States. But one of the things I love about her as a leader is how successful she is at building partnerships across sectors, across organizations, with companies in different ways, um, and finding opportunities to elevate the voice of a population that is often often doesn't have a seat at the table when it comes to public discourse and policymaking. Um, And so Monica Ramirez, that's, that's someone that I'd love for everyone to know about from Justice for Migrant Women. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for sharing and I'm sure she will uh, appreciate that you thought of her. Um, Well, Ruth, I absolutely loved speaking to you today. Um, Love learning more um, about the great work your organization does at at Mercado Global. Um, How can people connect to learn more about you or the organization or, or the other things that you're passionate about supporting? Definitely. Well, I think the easiest way is to go to our website, Mercado Global, M-E-R-C-A-D-O global.org, O-R-G. Uh, sign up for a e- newsletter. You can shop the collections from the artisans right there on our website. Um, you can donate to support our work. For people that are in New York City or Silicon Valley, we have our big annual galas in New York City, March 31st, and in Silicon Valley, April 22nd. Those are all really great ways to learn more about what we do. And we also have a corporate partnerships program um, uh, and pe- people can learn more about the, how their companies could get involved uh, with corporate gifts, um, branded uh, promotional products for companies and just lots of ways to get involved. So I encourage everyone to check out our website. 
Now, can you share just a little bit before I let you go about, you know, what sort of products are on there? So what I'm familiar with is, is we featured your organization at a recent event we had with Tabitha Coffee, and we sent her as a gift a beautiful handbag. I'm not a handbag expert, but, you know, the the, the women who are working <laughs> with, with me on the project were like, this is an amazing yeah. bag. Tabitha was very happy, yeah. and then and we provided a discount to our KPMG folks, and hopefully they went um, and supported your organization as well. What are the different types of... Um, products that your organization um, helps get into the hands of, of this market? Yeah, well, what's really great about the collections is everything is made using traditional techniques. So traditional weaving techniques um, from the artisans, but then with combined with modern design. So we create these beautiful accessories, fashion accessories and home decor pieces um, that are so special. They're all handcrafted, handwoven, um, and then they're carried at Bloomingdale's and Shop Up and Nordstrom's and all of these amazing places. Um, so we have you know, a beach bag collection with beach blankets and throws. We have lots of totes and market bags and clutches and purses, coin purses, wallets. We have a whole travel collection of uh, travel bags and uh, small other goods related to travel. Um, and we have a corporate gifts collection with a lot of unisex products. So things for men too. Uh, everything from dop kits to uh, luggage tags, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. Um, and then in addition to that, our home decor collection. So every piece is so special. We always say each piece is is inspired by the woman who weaves it, but also by the, the, the woman who wears it. So it, you know, the pieces represent bringing together, especially women across the Americas to support each other. So um, I think, you know, what, what better products to be wearing? That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Ruth, for being our guest on C-Suite, the show that combines surprising leadership insights with a focus on diversity. Thank you for listening to C-Suite. Alpha's purpose is connecting Latino leaders for impact. To learn more, go to alpha.org you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or share with a trusted friend or colleague. Remember, with the right perspective, amazing things can happen.